0: Hey, everybody, this is Harvey Sluggo Wasserman back for the 159th uh, Green Grassroots Emergency Election Protection Coalition Zoom call. It's wonderful to have everybody with us. We have 31 people to start and um, we are going to we have a pretty clear four part agenda, which will probably disintegrate as we go forward and things get more interesting. Uh, We're going to open with uh, Andrea Miller and Ray. McClendon, our our great grassroots organizers, Uh, glad to have you both with us. A very strong agenda on voting rights uh, for the week and uh, what else is new. Uh, We're going to also get a report from Ohio, uh, Steve Caruso, where uh, every uh, uh, state um, official is about to go to jail for a $61 million bribe related to the nuclear industry. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. Steve and I were talking earlier, I mean, uh, we now we now believe that the governor of Ohio is, in fact, uh, implicated in this uh, bribe scheme, $61 million that the utilities put forward. We'll talk about that in a couple of minutes. Uh, around the half hour, we're going to talk with Dr. Robert Epstein, uh, introduced by Camilla Reese. Uh, he's going to talk to us about how Google and other um, major Internet players manipulate public opinion. <clears throat> it's really really interesting stuff and Dr Robert Epstein has done a lot of work on it so we'll want to take a look at six o'clock Eastern three Pacific we're going to jump back into the nuclear world we have the great Carl Grossman with us uh to talk about uh and, and um the latest uh nonsense from the nuclear industry and uh we want to deal with <laughs> uh, the 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 um I guess is a Saudi at the Global, um climate conference saying that there's no scientific evidence that fossil fuels cause global warming I mean you got you gotta get you gotta credit these guys with a sense of humor and then um uh, the last half hour we're going to deal with the, the Middle East we are hoping that's Steve Donziger but uh, there's obviously plenty to talk about in terms of the Israel uh Palestine uh situation so a full boat as always um and uh it's great to have Uh, all you wonderful people with us. Uh, We are a a podcast on the uh, Progressive Radio Network on Thursdays, 9 p.m., and uh, all the recordings are archived. Thanks to the great Steve Caruso at our electionprotection2024.org website. So this is our 159th meeting. We've been meeting since April 2020, and we uh, hope to continue to go forward. Um, And we will start, with the magnificent Andrea Miller and Ray, and Ray McClendon, uh, Ray is in mourning because of the uh, the loss of Georgia to Alabama. And I'm sorry for that, too. I was looking forward to a Georgia-Michigan national final. But uh, we won't put the cart before the horse, as we say. Um, uh, Andrea, you want to jump in with us? And then, Ray, please give us the latest. You have an event coming up on Thursday, um, Andrea, yep. and everybody should know about it and attend it. So let, let, let's hear about it.
1: All right. Thanks, Harvey. Thank you, everybody. I wanted to let you know that we are doing an event with our partners at the Workers Circle, and the event is called How Voter Suppression Works Today and What You Can Do About It. So I'm going to basically be one of the speakers. We are also going to be joined by Evan Milligan of Alabama forward. He brought the case in Alabama of Milligan versus Merrill, which led to the formation of a second majority minority district in Alabama, congressional district two. And it also sparked redistricting in Georgia. South Carolina and Florida as well. We will also have a very dear friend of mine, Richard Walker, talking about his lawsuit in Virginia when the governor, current governor of Virginia, Governor Youngkin, when he realized the only part about voting that he really controlled was restoration of rights for returning citizens began overturning people whose rights had been restored. So Richard filed a very, very interesting lawsuit and he will be talking about that. And some of you, if you really follow, Things going on with elections may have heard that in Mississippi on election day, Mississippi doesn't have early voting on election day, Hines County, which is 85% black, ran out of ballots at 9 a.m. in the black precincts. And so they sort of ran out of ballots all day. So we're going to have an activist, Carol Blackman from Black Voters Matter, who lives in Hinds County, Mississippi, talking about what went on in Mississippi. So the one thing that you have to give the others eye is they are always thinking, they are always planning, they are always scheming. And one of the things that Ray and I do is we work very, very hard to dismantle their schemes. And when we can't legally do anything about it, come up with ways where it will help voters get around those schemes. So I'm going to drop a link in the chat. So if you want to sign up, for that webinar, feel free. One of the other things that is going to be very, very interesting, and we are really going to be watching in 2024, is that Milligan versus Merrill is potentially going to be the last lawsuit of that type for a while, because the federal court has in a new ruling said that only the Department of Justice can bring a case um, against or a case regarding the Voting Rights Act that individuals and organizations will no longer be able to be the plaintiffs. So that is going to be very, very interesting as we work to get that overturned. That also, even though we are C3, we need to be aware that one of the first goals of any new Trump administration would be to totally take over and subvert DOJ, the Department of Justice, with their own people. So yes, it was a terrible, 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 terrible ruling. So, yes. And um, Ray, um, my partner in civil rights and civil justice, Ray, you've got some really interesting things going on in Georgia redistricting.
2: Yes, we do. And uh, they are following in Georgia the blueprint established by Alabama. uh, In from the standpoint that uh, they are proposing maps uh, in both the House and the Senate that would not comply with the court's ruling. Um, And as you know, in Alabama, um, they met, they didn't comply, and then they ended up having to have a special master to come in to redraw the maps. Uh, we seem to be on the same course. The final vote has not been taken yet, but the the, the votes uh, have occurred in individual houses, and now they're reconciling those bills uh, to move forward. Uh, this is a part of a pattern, everybody, that we need to understand that <clears throat> the MAGA Republicans do not believe in the rule of law. <clears throat> they believe in their minority rule. And this pattern Uh, is that they will defy the court system uh, in order to achieve their political objectives of holding on the power. Uh, Essentially, what they hope they can do here is to run out the clock, whereby um, they don't comply, they uh, muddle things in the courts, hope to get another delay, and then get this into January or February and throw up their hands and say, gee whiz, well, we tried. You, They wouldn't do anything. So let's just go with the maps that we already have, uh, which would be non complying maps that would allow for um, Black voters to be disenfranchised for the second election cycle. Remember that we were disenfranchised in 2022. Now it will be again in 20, 2024. And we see what the consequence of those gerrymandered maps are uh, in the dysfunction that we have in the US House of Representatives right now. So this is the, the, these fights are consequential. Uh, they are deliberately defying the rule of law. And we are going to continue to, to uh, raise up the standard. We've been protesting. Uh, we've been talking with the um, the, the uh, Democratic members, and we are hoping to uh, raise enough cane here that the judge will be able to move swiftly if, indeed, they do as we expect, and they uh, will not comply with the with the order that we can get it back in the judge's hands as quickly as possible.
0: Well, as Steve uh, Caruso points out in the chat, the same thing's been going on in Ohio, We had two state referenda uh, demanding a Democratic, small D Democratic redistricting, a Supreme Ohio Supreme Court decision demanding new maps. And they still managed to get the same old gerrymandered maps used in 22 and are poised to do it again in 24. It's mind boggling how the the law and order Republican uh, right wing uh, uh, doesn't care a bit about the law. Um, uh, We have 56 people with us. Andrea, will you um, post in the uh, uh, chat or on the screen the links to your Thursday event so that people can uh, know where to go to join that event? Um, Uh, I just dropped the link in. Thank you,
1: Harvey. I dropped the link in again. What time is your event?
0: What time is your event? 8 p.m. 8 p.m. Eastern. 8 p.m. Eastern, Eastern, 5 p.m of Pacific <laughs> on Thursday, yes. and the yes. link is on in the chat, there it is, how voter yep. suppression works today, what we can, and what we can do about it, beautiful, yes. 7 8 30 on Thursday, December 7th, that'd be right after the attack on Pearl Harbor, and um, uh, we we really look forward to it. Um, 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 Ray, does anybody, uh, somebody had a hand, Eric Lazarus, we'll Eric. go ahead, Eric, uh, are you unmuted?
3: Uh, hey. Um, yeah, I, pardon me if I'm just a little slow today. Um I never heard that point made, that Ray just made, that the dysfunction in the House of Representatives is a direct um, uh, you know it directly relates to um, the uh these you know the, the uh crappy apportionment. Um, I'm wondering whether, you know, writing letters to the editor writing to uh, to the media to say you know make that point every time uh, like the next time they lose their speaker and can't pick another one that the media should be pointing out that this is um, this is the result of that i'd never heard that connection made thank you so much ray but ray, i think that ahead. ought to be a point that'd be made more widely thanks so much
2: okay ray well, I, I agree with you that that point needs to be made, and we we need to continue to point out uh, the the fact that the uh, MAGA Republicans don't believe in government; they believe in power, and so all of these tactics, whether whether it has to do with voter suppression, on redistricting, or denying the will of the people in Ohio on a constitutional uh, change uh, to for reproductive rights. Whatever the case may be, we are moving to authoritarian minority rule. It's not just Trump, it's the entire MAGA-controlled Republican Party. So the broader issue is that that um these uh as as Harvey mentioned, these were used to be the champions of law and order and so forth. And that's not who they are now. And we and we need to call that out, especially for the voters that we are, are are looking to to gain that these are not law and order uh people they are trying to subvert uh the rule of law and that that is impacting in multiple levels only one of which is the direct relation to the dysfunction in the House of Representatives but it is it is destroying our institutions uh one by one if we allow this to continue It's mind boggling.
0: I want to slip in here before we go to questions. Uh, um, Steve uh, Caruso has a report from Ohio uh, that you couldn't make up. As you'll recall, there was a $61 million bribe paid to the um, uh, Speaker of the House of Representatives uh, in Ohio, who is now in prison. And um, uh, but it turns out that uh, the chair of the Public Utilities Commission was also on the take. There's Sam Randazzo there, who I actually know, and um, and the now we see it's gone up to the governor, uh, 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 who participated. Well, I'll let Steve Steve Caruso. Can you give us the update on Ohio's sixty one million dollar house fire here?
4: Oh yeah, Sam Randazzo. I've got it on the screen. Was just indicted by the federal jury, the grand jury. They've been waiting on that to happen. Nothing's happened, and then they've recently called in the wine for some documents which they've supposedly shared before and they're kind of playing it down but yet he's been uh impugned by people at first energy and that he was involved and that he would supposedly tamp some of this uh feedback from the public down and and help them get their agenda done so he's implicated and then also Husted is being deposed.
0: Well, who is um, Husted? Tell tell us who Husted is.
4: Yeah, he's not the Secretary of State, but he's the Lieutenant General. Rose is running for the Secretary. He is the Secretary of State running for Senate. But Husted is the, uh, the Lieutenant General. So Lieutenant Governor
0: involved, too. So, so there's Mike DeWine. Um, uh, clean as a whistle, 11 children, uh, totally anti-choice, um, uh, you know, straight arrow Republican governor of Ohio uh, who was once Senator and you know held every state office in Ohio. and he is now implicated in the 61 million dollar bribe. This is the governor of Ohio for God's sakes. and the, and the Secretary of State and the Attorney General and the Speaker of the House, all took all participated in a 61 million dollar bribe whereby the Ohio uh, a taxpayer and ratepayer would subsidize um, a billion dollar bailout for the nuclear plant. I mean, it's mind boggling, totally mind boggling. So, there, Ray and Andrea, um, uh, you know, uh, Ohio got nothing on you. <laughs> it's truly amazing. Um, uh, okay, very quickly, uh, Ray and uh, Andrea, did you want to jump in or? Steve, did you want to add anything to that? Ray? Um, I think we've got some questions. Yes, we do. Ray, did you want okay. to say anything before we go to questions? Okay. Um, um Justin. Go ahead, Justin.
5: Uh on mute. There you are. Yeah. So in California, we still do bribing. It's just uh through donations to the governor's office and for things like Diablo Canyon. But the uh, as far as all of these uh, reversals to, to tell the other side that we're uh, playing hardball negotiating and not just going to let them get away with it, right? On the courts, you may have to threaten uh, the packing of the seats, right? We're expanding the court because of all these stupid decisions. But then uh, on the case of uh, redistricting and apportionment, it used to be that only thirty to 50,000 residents per elected official, uh, per House of Representatives official, but now it's 700,000. And that hasn't changed since just after World War One, almost, a hundred, you know, basically 100 years. And so uh, you could threaten to actually bring back to the original standard for representation, and I'm pretty sure the Republicans wouldn't like that too much. Well, you know,
0: um, uh, uh, it, it, the... What's what's developed now, as Ray and Andrea pointed out, and, and Stephen, the uh, the uh, MAGAs don't even uh, follow the courts anymore. I mean, you had a open defiance of a majority decision of the Ohio Supreme Court on redistricting, um, handed down by a Republican chief justice, and they just blew, blew them off. Blew off the Ohio Supreme Court, as if it didn't exist. It's mind-boggling. Um, uh, Mary, Mary Stoneman, Stonewall uh, Douglas, and, and then we'll uh, continue. Mary?
6: Yeah. Um, when we talk about the suppression of votes, um, not many people realized before the pandemic that any absentee ballots, um, especially overseas citizens working for the company that's located in the United States that are overseas running the company, or our servicemen and women, And then the elderly at one point, but since the pandemic, their votes are counted now somewhat. But what it was is unless the um, presidential votes were within 250, they never opened the absentee ballots for the people overseas or the disabled in the United States. But now it's just the people overseas, whether it be servicemen or women or people working for a corporation on top of that, states have been getting in trouble like ohio and other states for not sending out the ballot to begin with just because the person is overseas at this time even though they're a resident of that state and they're doing their duty as a soldier or as a person working for a company so we gotta bring that to the forefront because that's something we don't hear and their votes here here's our servicemen and women the number one people of Affected by who's in office, who never have their vote ever counted because how often is it within 250? Well,
0: the the point that happened in 2000, as you recall, there was a huge uproar over overseas ballots uh, where the uh, Bush people, uh, Carl Rose people, manipulated the the vote count of the overseas ballot, and it really affected an election that was decided by less than 600 votes. So, um, okay, so um, uh, Camilla Reese is having trouble getting on. I'm not sure why, Steve. Maybe there's something that could come up. Oh, I see her. There she is. Um, 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 uh, Andrea and Ray, do you have anything further you want to add? Andrea, tell us again about your upcoming event, please. Um, Well, I will talk about, and, and again, elections are managed.
1: Federal elections, state elections, they are managed by each individual state. So different states have different rules at different times. So board of elections can do very, very interesting things. We know in 2017, we had a board of election refuse to count any ballots that arrived The day before the election, they simply didn't go to the post office and collect those ballots. And they just said, nope, we're not counting them. So we sued. So what's really important is what are the rules that your Department of Elections has on the books or When do we count vote by mail ballots under what circumstances will we not count them? Now, Virginia has gotten very, 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 very good at counting absentee ballots in most counties because we consider all of that early voting. And a lot, well, not a lot of people pay attention to early voting, but early voting is part of my religion. So (laughs) we encourage everybody to early vote and we watch those numbers as they come in. So it is very, very important that we be very aware of what our election officials are doing. When Governor Youngkin and was going to allow the electoral board to not open any early voting uh, locations in the black neighborhood. As soon as we saw that, we just put together a little call to action, 180 people called him racist. And he then came out and called off the board of elections saying, you have no standing to tell jurisdictions where they are going to open early voting locations. And I was glad he did that because that meant I didn't have to go after the 12 largest counties in Virginia worried that they were going to shut down all the early voting precincts or locations in communities of color. The governor said, you've got no standing and all the large counties opened all the early voting uh, locations that they normally do
2: let, let me reinforce let me reinforce what andrew is saying make sure everybody's clear on this we talked about this a little bit in the past um the battle lines are being drawn in counties with local election boards and what the maga um Republicans are doing is, is they're taking over two local institutions, school boards and election boards, because they want to be able to dictate what votes get counted and who controls uh, that local political process. So they're going after that. That's why things like uh, the democracy centers that that Andrea is establishing uh, in, in in various states and other local grassroots organizations that, that we collaborate with and coordinate with are so vital going into 2024. This is not going to be a national fight. This is not something that the Democratic Party can fight mm-hmm. or any national progressive institution. you got to get local, and you've got to have the boots on the ground that are committed to ensuring that the kinds of things that happen uh, that we've all seen about the, the RICO case in Fulton County with Coffee County, you need local um, presence that refutes that, that supports the people who would stand up against those MAGA Republicans that gave access uh, to, to uh, Trump's people to look into those votes. I can tell you there's probably another 50 or 60 counties that would have been happy to do the same thing in Georgia. And we need to be prepared for that. We need to be prepared in the large counties, metro counties. Trump said it himself the other day. He wants the votes looked at. He mentioned Philadelphia, Detroit, and Atlanta. Why? (laughs) It It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out why he mentioned those three cities. Okay, and so we have to have that presence locally to deal with the people that he's putting in place. We just we just here in uh, I live in DeKalb County. We just had a woman in DeKalb County uh, just get 500 people thrown off the rolls. okay, and we're trying to get them back on the rolls right now. And she is an ultra MAGA conservative uh, who thinks that Trump won in 2020. That's what the fight is going to be, is it's going to be local skirmishes across these districts that you have to have local people committed to holding the line. It's
0: mind boggling. Thank you so much, both of you. Uh, Go Wendy, Steve, and then we're going to go to Camilla Reese and Dr. Robert Epstein. Uh, Go ahead, Wendy and Steve, please.
7: Thank you. And um sorry it's a little late. I was listening okay. on my phone. Thank you. Um so I just wanted to bring up a quick case that should be on everyone's radar. I'm sure it's already on, on um Andrea's and Ray's out of Arkansas, where um the NAACP there sued um for gerrymandering basically, and and um it's more complicated than that, but the court ruled that they didn't have basically mm-hmm. to sue because they're not um they're, because they're private citizens and they're claiming that the um that the the Fifteenth Amendment doesn't allow private citizens to sue under the Voting Rights Act and only the Attorney General can. And they cited a bunch of cases that they're just making a big word salad on it. I think we'll continue on this. I'm trying to find someone to speak on this more later, but it's just a really interesting case because I think it's heading to the Supreme Court. And if the yes. Supreme Court holds up that only this the Attorney General can sue for private citizens' rights under the Voting Rights Act, I, that's, that's just a whole new world. So I wanted to bring that up. Thank you. Yeah. That's
2: yeah. Big well, big that's, big. Uh, let me, I'll say something quickly on that. Um, and uh, Andrea mentioned it earlier. The, the um, Arkansas is a part of the Eighth Circuit. And that's the circuit that r- ruled this way. Uh, right now, there are, you know, there are splits in the circuits. Um. <clears throat> across the country so it will be headed to the supreme court as an example that doesn't impact any of the current suits that we have now uh it wouldn't impact a new suit now un- unless that unless say here in the 11th circuit uh where georgia is uh they ruled similarly uh in georgia but but to to the point it is headed to the supreme court but it is not the law of the land yet it only impacts those uh, states, I don't know how many they are, but Arkansas is one that's a part of the Eighth Circuit. So, very simply, it's a it's a method
0: to gut the Voting Rights Act by forbidding anybody except a, a a government official from suing yes. the Voting Rights Act, which is yeah uh,
2: yeah. Um, I saw obviously... a statistic. I saw a statistic that said out of the hundred and eighty plus suits that have been brought, um, only. Uh, and I think uh, prevailed. Only fifteen of those came from the Justice Department. So it right, would dramatically right. it would dramatically uh, curtail uh, the the uh, the amount of scrutiny that was going on with these uh, these voting rights issues uh, under know, the Voting Rights Act. And this obviously is a huge deal. And Andrea will be discussing
0: that on Thursday, among other things, uh, in her call. Uh, Steve Caruso went, uh, and, and Julie, and then we're going to go to uh, 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 Camilla Reese and uh, Dr. Robert Epstein to talk about uh, uh, Google manipulation of, of, of people's public opinions. Very hot topic. Uh, go ahead, Steve, and then Julie.
4: Yes, in the Constitution, it says that um, people have the right to petition the government. And yeah. there's talk online saying that that includes the courts, too, and I don't know why it wouldn't. And also, if Congress is dominated by the Democrats, they can go ahead and make any rules about elections they won, except for the time and the place of election of senators. That's what the Constitution says. So if we, we ain't there yet. And thank goodness uh, for Ray and Andrea and all the work they're doing on all this. Thank you.
0: I agree 100 percent. Julie Weiner in uh, New York. You got Camilla's. Uh, yeah, we're, I'm going to go, Julie, then we'll wrap this up, and then we'll, uh, we're will we going to move into with Dr. Robert Epstein. Go ahead, Ju, uh, Julie, please. Are you... Uh, uh, um, there go we ahead. go.
8: Okay, I think I got it. Thank Julie's you. in New York. I'm in New York, and New York State allows citizen organizations to sue um, uh, aid, agencies of the New York State government when they um fail to come fail to carry out the law in new york state so i just want to celebrate with you all that um just before the deadline within a couple of days of the deadline of a terrible action that was taken by the new york state board of elections august 2nd before the december 2nd deadline common cause and the black institute have sued the New York State Board of Elections under Article 78 provisions to reverse their certification of the ESNS Express Vote Excel uh hybrid um uh barcode counting voting machine because it denies voters the right to verify their ballot before it's cast and counted, because it counts with barcodes. So right. anyway, just, that- just
0: We've discussed that through the months, and Julie, it's great to have you on that case, and it's important information. That's a very big deal, and we'll, let's talk about it in more detail next week if we can. Uh, great, thank happy to. Yes, yeah. and before we move on, I want to point out that um, even referenda are not um, uh, sacrosanct when it comes to the MAGA Republicans. In Florida, we know that a referendum passed overwhelmingly to uh, re-enfranchise um, uh, uh, ex-felons and the state legislature jumped in with this ridiculous demand that they pay fees and disenfranchised at least a million people. Uh, and that's why Ron DeSantis uh, is the current dictator of Florida. And we're now having a similar situation in Ohio. We just had a referendum pass overwhelmingly uh, legalizing pot and already the, uh, the MAGAs are uh, coming in there and tearing apart the, uh, the the will of the public. Uh, Ray and uh, Andrea, is there anything further you wish to say before we go to Camilla Reese and Dr. Robert Epstein?
1: I'm going to make one comment on Florida Amendment 4. When I first read the proposed text of the amendment, I very strongly suggested that they add what we put in our Virginia Amendment irrespective of payment of fines and fees. Just that three simple words would have made that amendment strong and the legislature could not come back and say, whoa, wait a minute, you've got to pay your fines and fees. So when we draft legislation, we have to think about what are the un- unintended consequences and we also have to think about how can people of bad intentions turn this
0: and subvert it? Thank you very much. Randy uh, we'll see you on your event Thursday night. Great to have you with us as always Ray do you want to find a final word here? I'm good thanks. Oh, uh, it's always great to have you both on. Please come again next week, and we'll continue uh, this ongoing saga of voter repression. Okay, um, uh, we're now going to move to a, 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 a related topic one we haven't talked about before in all our our years. And um, uh, we got Camilla Reese to thank. Uh, Camilla, do you want to come on and introduce Dr. Epstein?
9: Sure. So next up we have um, Dr. Robert Epstein of the American Institute for Behavioral Research. He's a behavioral researchist, researcher and psychologist and data scientist and programmer. And he's been studying human behavior and ways to change it for decades. In fact, he was the last doctoral student under B.F. Skinner at Harvard. And um, his, his institute more recently, the past 16 years or so, has been studying the online manipulation of voters by Google and also the online manipulation of children, um, manipulation, censorship, and um, they do this through a Nielsen-like system that is monitoring people's computer screens across the country now in 50 states. And um, it's, his research has been published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences and plus one. And he's been he's testified in Congress about his findings and also spoken with many attorneys general. He says that since, since about 2015 about 25% of national elections globally have been decided by Google and that this online threat to democracy is extremely important that we understand. Uh, we may not like some of his findings, nor did he, but we've got it's important that we understand the ramifications of um, what he has found uh, what he has found is happening in the US and other countries so um dr epstein welcome
10: please Thanks. thank you can you hear me okay yeah you're
0: good it's, and you, you're speaking to 63 people you're uh being live webcast and this will be rebroadcast on the radio in new york city so it's great to have you with us uh, uh, uh what tell us about google manipulating us
10: uh sure well it's it's, it's a pleasure and an honor to be on your a program, And I uh, was just listening in for a few minutes and I can see there's a lot of uh, expertise here, uh, a lot of passion and uh, a lot of interest in election integrity. And uh, that's what I want to talk to you about, but probably an aspect of it that you're not currently familiar with. I, I should point out also that by way of my, uh, my other credentials, besides my academic ones, that I've always leaned left uh, politically. Uh, At the moment, I'm considered a a kind of a darling uh, among the right, which uh, really bugs me. That's an understatement. I'm just saying it very as politely as I can. Uh, But let me explain why. What I've found, what I've discovered, uh, and again, the work that we do is extremely rigorous scientifically, and we publish in a peer-reviewed journals, we present at scientific meetings. Uh, there, what I'm talking about is not speculative. It may have may have been ten years ago, but not anymore. What I need to tell you about, need to inform you about, is about uh, a serious threat to election integrity that is operating uh, in ways generally that you can't see. It's operating on a scale that is uh, mind-boggling, and the numbers. It's the numbers. The numbers are astonishing and generally speaking as we've made discovery after discovery over the years, I haven't believed the numbers myself, uh, but I believe them now. I've come to believe them over time. And there have been leaks from Google and other companies leaks, whistleblowers, uh, leaks of emails, documents, PowerPoint presentations, videos, all of which have confirmed uh, the most uh, the most problematic, uh, the most terrifying, uh, of my scientific findings. Okay, so what have we found? What are we doing? Well, since 2013, uh, my my team and I, and we operate at a nonprofit, uh, non nonpartisan research institute, which is a 501c3. My team and I have been looking at uh, discovering new ways of influencing people, of manipulating people, uh, of uh, Uh, taking the particularly particularly the votes of those who are undecided and pushing them one way or another, we've been discovering ways in which the internet has made that possible, which have never existed before in human history. Never. And unfortunately, these techniques uh, have been developed by and are exclusively in the hands of a couple of big uh, tech monopolies, uh, Google being by far the the uh, the worst, uh, worst of the culprits. Now, some of you may know that Google leans left politically as I do. So one would think maybe I would be happy uh, to discover and confirm over and over again that Google uh, has access to these new techniques and is actually using them. But I'm not uh, happy about that at all because the problem with Google is uh, you know, they might be supporting the left today, at least in the United States, but you don't know what they're going to be doing tomorrow because they're not accountable in any way to us, to the people. Uh, their executives don't even turn over generally speaking. And by the way, they don't necessarily support the left around the world. In Cuba, they support the right. They've been working with China off and on for a very long time, helping the Chinese government to control its own population. Country by country, they do whatever they want to do. So again, I'm happy in one sense that they support the left in the United States. In another sense, I find this abhorrent. It undermines democracy and makes democracy meaningless. Now, I should point out also uh, that we've... in uh, most recently have started to track the ways in which they're deliberately, strategically indoctrinating our children. Now, I'm a parent of five, and I couldn't tell you I can't even tell you how much I object to that. Uh, that is uh, to me completely unacceptable. I don't care what their politics are. I don't care what their messaging is. I don't think they should be messing with our kids. Now let me begin to share with you some of our findings and some of the numbers because I think this is where, uh, if you're, if you're, if I'm explaining myself clearly enough, this is where I think you should become very, very deeply concerned. We're all interested in election integrity. We're, we've, uh, some of us uh, on this call have been focusing on. Uh, local issues, some on state issues. Uh, Well, Google can focus on local issues as they please and state issues, but also on national issues and international issues. They can go anywhere they want. They're impacting right now the beliefs, attitudes, opinions, purchases, votes of more than 5 billion people around the world. So they can do what they want, and they can do it on any scale that they want. Our first discovery was of an effect we call SEM, S-E-M-E, the Search Engine Manipulation Effect. If you go to searchenginemanipulationeffect.com, you'll come to a piece that I published in 2015 in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. Uh, That scientific article, which is very technical, has been downloaded or accessed from the website of the National Academy of Sciences more than 250,000 times. Uh, That's extremely rare. I know the people who discovered Gravity Waves a few years ago, uh, you know, they, they have a few thousand downloads, uh, not 250,000. There's an interest here in what we're doing. So what is Seem? Seam refers to the fact that Google can shift the votes of undecided voters dramatically and quickly just by favoring one candidate over another in its search results. Jesus now, what does that mean? That means all they have to do is tweak the algorithm a little bit, or they, sometimes it's even easier. They just have to put one candidate on a black list, put another on a white list. They, have, they, they can do this in so many different ways. What that results in is that when people click on res- search results that are high up on the list, they end up getting connected to a web page that makes one candidate, the favored candidate, look look better than the other. So in 2016, for example, Google was Hillary Clinton's largest uh, financial supporter. I also supported Hillary Clinton. And in fact, they were biasing their search results that, in a way that favored Hillary Clinton. How do I know this? Because... Uh, we, in 2016, set up the world's first system to surveil them the way they surveil us and our kids 24 hours a day. Uh, we recruited 95, we call them field agents, all registered voters in 24 states. We equipped their computers with special software that we developed that allowed us, in effect, to look over their shoulders when they were conducting searches for anything politically related, anything, the wall, immigration, anything at all, uh, on Google, Bing, and Yahoo. And we preserved 13,000 searches. So each search had 10 search results. So that's 130,000 search results. And we we also preserved the web pages that those search results connected to. So about 100,000 web pages. Because we preserved that content, which is normally lost forever, we were able to Calculate the bias in each search position. We found a very strong pro Hillary Clinton bias in all 10 search positions on the first page of Google search results, but not on Bing or Yahoo. That's important. So, this is something that Google was doing, but not the other search engines. Now, the other search engines don't matter because they only get one or 2% of search. Google gets 92% of search worldwide. Uh, So it's all that really matters when it comes to elections is Google. So there was bias. And we knew from the experiments we've been conducting since 2013, that if that level of bias that we detected from our 95 field agents, if that level of bias had been present nationwide, that would have shifted over a period of months between 2.6 and 10.4 million votes to Hillary Clinton, again, whom I supported. So... As you may recall, she won the popular vote by 2.8 million votes. Well, our data, our research, which is quite rigorous, suggests that if Google had not been supporting her, then in fact, the popular vote might have been pretty even. That's kind of scary to me because I think Trump is, is a disgrace. That's very scary to me. So, okay, I'm glad, I'm glad Hillary had uh, Google support. Obviously, they weren't paying enough attention to the swing states because a tiny margin, 77,000 votes in four swing states, uh, put Trump over the top in the electoral college. Uh, Let's not even go there, but the point is they weren't paying attention. The day after that election in 2016, uh, they had an all-hands meeting. Uh, The video of that meeting was leaked and, and can still be accessed, and you've got all the leaders of Google up on stage. They're practically crying, they're practically in hysterics, and they are swearing that they will use all of the power that they have available to them and make sure that this kind of election result never happens again. Okay, so now now we've got a bigger problem because they're not only shifting votes, but now they're making a commitment to make sure that That never happens again. In other words, that Trump is never reelected or anyone like him is never reelected. Okay, uh, again, part of me cheers them. Part of me is horrified. 2018, we set up a larger monitoring system. We were able to surveil them more aggressively. We found strong liberal bias, as one might expect, on Google, not on Bing or Yahoo, 2020. 2020, we didn't have 95 field agents. We had 1,735 field agents in, in mainly in four swing states. We found, again, uh, extreme liberal bias on Google, not on Bing or Yahoo. The bias was sufficient to have shifted at least six million votes to Joe Biden, whom I supported, at least six million votes. And he won the popular vote by about seven million. So again, without Google's support, it's possible the popular vote would have been very close. That's frightening to me. And again, part of me, you know, I'm split. I'm split on this issue, obviously, as you can tell, I'm split. But I, I, it's, it's become, as I've seen the, the power, though, that Google has and how they wield it, I've become increasingly concerned, especially when it comes to kids. All right, let's skip to 2022. We, we set up an even bigger system. Again, extreme liberal bias. At this point, I realized that, you know, this country must have a permanent, large-scale monitoring system operating in all 50 states, because if you set up a system like this, you force all the tech companies to stay away from our elections and stay away from our kids and stay away from our minds, for that matter. Just, you know, make your money, but don't try, don't try, uh, uh, you know altering the way we think and the way our kids think. And the only way to to really make that happen is with a large-scale monitoring system. How do I know that works? I know positively because in 2020, we shared some of our data right before the election uh, with a couple of U.S. senators. As a result, three U.S. senators sent a very threatening letter to the CEO of Google. This was on November 5th, right after the election. And that same day, on November 5th, Google turned off all of its manipulations in Georgia, which as you I'm sure remember was gearing up for the two Senate runoff elections in January. We know that they turned off all their manipulations because we had more than a thousand field agents in Georgia. We preserved more than a million of what Google calls ephemeral experiences in Georgia. These, These fleeting experiences people have online, for example, when you type in a search term and they show you search results or they flash search suggestions at you or they show an answer box or on YouTube where they show you a sequence or they play the next video automatically. All of that content is ephemeral. It's generated just for you. It disappears, disappears, and it's gone forever and and you can't go back in time and see what they were showing people. So it le- in other words, it leaves no, no paper trail for authorities to trace. Unless you have any doubt about whether they do this deliberately, I refer you to a leak of emails from Google to the Wall Street Journal in 2018, in which Google employees are discussing how can we use ephemeral experiences to change people's views about Trump's travel ban? So this is lingo they use inside the company. They do what they're doing deliberately. Jumping Uh, ahead to today, because I know our time is very limited and I wanna show you what we've been able- Go ahead, go ahead, please. Okay, I'm gonna jump right ahead to uh, a share screen and I'm gonna explain to you what we've built and the help we need to, to complete the system that we've built. I decided after the 2022 midterms that the time had come to set up a permanent system that will permanently keep these companies, not just Google, but the next Google and the one after that, just keep them out of our elections and away from our kids. So I'm going to switch now to to share screen. I hope this works.
0: Uh, Steve Caruso is our engineer. He's very good at this.
10: Okay. I think I've got it. Boom. Yeah, there you go. Now you should see... You should see a webpage, which is at americasdigitalshield.com, americasdigitalshield.com. If that's too much for you to type, go to ourdigitalshield.com. That'll work as well. And what you're seeing here is a $3 million website. That's what it's cost us over the past year. We've had grants and we've had uh, donations from some wealthy individuals who are very concerned about election integrity. And... Uh, what you're seeing here is live and it's real. You are seeing data coming in from the computers now of 13,000 field agents. We call them tech watchdogs of 13,000 field agents in all 50 States. And you're seeing the number of ephemeral experiences that we have captured on Google and other platforms. And as you can see, we are about to cross over into the, to 44 million. A few hours from now, we'll cross over to 44 million. And what do we see as we capture the ephemeral experiences as we archive them and analyze them? I'm scrolling down a bit. First of all, we are seeing utterly unbelievable content on Google Kids, extremely violent, extremely sexual. Some of it's so bizarre that it's hard to even put into words what they're showing. And you're seeing actual images from hundreds of thousands of videos that we are preserving as part of this this huge effort to preserve the content that is ephemeral that normally disappears forever which gives google google and to a lesser extent other companies the ability to manipulate us without us being able to respond in any way or or compensate for what they're doing i'm going down to political uh, uh content now on google Bing, and below that, you'll see Yahoo. You're seeing below the line on each graph, you're seeing data points, which are showing you the overall bias in content that they're showing people on their search engines. Google, Bing, and below that, Yahoo. And in all cases, all the dots are below the line. They're showing liberal content. So again, this may not be what you wanna hear uh, you know, And again, you, I'm already split on this issue, as I've explained, but this is highly biased content, sufficient to shift tens of millions of votes, especially among people who are undecided, the people who are vulnerable. And notice Bing and Yahoo now are tracking Google. You know why? Because they're all getting their search results now from Google. So Google's influence has greatly grown over the years. Bing and Yahoo are no longer independent search engines. YouTube is coming soon. Twitter, TikTok, they're all coming. But this is the one that really blows my mind. On the left, you're seeing the political landscape of the United States. You recognize that. The red states and the blue states. Far too many red states, far too few blue states, but we have more, we have bigger populations. But on the right you're seeing the political bias in the content being sent by Google to people in all 50 states. It's all blue. Well, so they're sending I, liberally biased that's good content. in Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> well, Idaho is ex- that's extreme. Right. See that's that's extreme liberal is being sent to Idaho. But you can go state by state and you can actually see the differences. And here are elections flipped by Google, including the 2020 presidential election. Now, I didn't want Trump to win, but I don't think that putting, you know, giving this much power to uh, to a private company makes sense, and it does make democracy absolutely meaningless. And finally, just to tell you how rigorous the system is, we're extremely careful about balancing Uh, the demographic characteristics of our field agents, so the people we call our watchdogs. So we're evenly balanced between uh, liberals, conservatives, moderates, and people who don't identify. And uh, this is a $3 million system. We now have court admissible data in 15 of the 50 states. We're in all 50, but we have court admissible data in 15 states so far. This needs to be much bigger so that we have court admissible data in all 50 states. Is the point to to sue these companies and send people to jail and fine them? No. The point is to stop them. The point is to stop them. And this is how you stop them is you, you make what they're doing completely transparent. You can't do that by looking at, your al- at their algorithms. The only way you can do it is by looking over the shoulders of real users because real users are getting... Personalized content. That's why you have to do it this way. Extremely, extremely difficult to recruit these people. We have to call a hundred people before one person says yes. I'll do it. But this must be done. This is not optional. Because think about the kinds of, of kinds of shenanigans that that you folks are studying. Whatever labels are put on them, you know, uh, having to do with restricting voter access by minorities, having to do with The crazy things that the conservatives talk about ballot harvesting and ballot this and ballot that all of those techniques are inherently competitive and they tend to shift a few hundred votes here and there what google does is different if google wants to support a candidate or a party there's nothing you can do there's no way you can counteract what they're doing you buy a billboard i can buy two billboards but if google wants to support one candidate They can do it on a massive level, they can do it invisibly using ephemeral content with no one aware that they're even doing anything and they can shift millions of votes and you cannot counteract what they're doing. If you want to pursue this further or you want to help us in any way, please go to AmericasDigitalShield.com or go to MyGoogleResearch.com and that'll give you access to uh, all the many scientific papers and the talks and the articles. Uh, thank you so oh, much. I'm sorry I went over time. But no, no, I... no,
0: It's incredibly fascinating. Uh, I, I, I assume everybody else is as fascinated as I have because virtually nobody's left the call. We're at 60 people. We are at the top of the hour, but I want to continue. I do want to ask you a question. Do you have any evidence <clears throat> of Google or these other search engines biasing uh, the uh, viewership towards nuclear power and away from renewable energy?
10: Okay, I am extremely interested in that issue, and I can I can give you good news and bad news. The bad news is we have no evidence of that sort that because we haven't looked at it. The good news is the monitoring system that we've set up is so flexible that if we wanted literally by tomorrow we wanted to have data on that to see whether they're you know what kinds of content they're sending out and whether it's biased one way or the other, we can do it. We can monitor anything. At this point, and we have a big enough system so that we're and it, and as you can see, we were we are we've learned how to analyze data so fast, literally in real time, that we can get answers to questions like that very very easily without well, a system I like this love, in place. Yeah,
0: I would love to see data on that because we are um, uh, those of us in the safe energy community. You can take down the shared screen if you want. Um, uh the those of us who are uh, concerned with nuclear power and um, uh, te- energy technologies that destroy the earth are kind of at a loss to understand why uh, this bu- this push from nuclear um, um, resonates seems to resonate with so many people because it's absolutely insane. And um, you know, there's absolutely no reason why, The public should favor nuclear energy at this point in time because we have a booming renewable industry that clearly um, uh, benefits the planet and the economy and the job picture. And yet we seem to be at this point in time treading upstream and we see, um, you know, people believing Utter nonsense coming from the nuclear power industry. So, if you're at all inclined, we'd be interested to see what kind of bias might be coming from Google. The second question I wanted to ask you is: What is it with the children? What 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 are they putting out there, and why? That would ha- would be uh, so manipulative uh, in a bad way uh, of children.
10: Well, first of all, we know in links from the company that they are deliberately engaged in a a, uh, a large scale. Uh, campaign of indoctrination of children, so that we know for sure. For what, we don't though? know the what are
0: they what are they indoctrinating?
10: They're indoctrinating. Well, they're they're trying to indoctrinate values. And so there's a one of the leaks from the company is an eight minute video which is called the Selfish Ledger. If you go to the Selfish Ledger and then put not my name in there, uh, don't please don't use Google.com. Please stop using that. That's an extremely aggressive surveillance platform. Use Brave. The Brave uh, browser does not track you. Use the Brave search engine. It doesn't track you. There are ways to use the internet so that no one tracks you. If you go to myprivacytips.com, you'll come to an article of mine which begins with the sentence, I have not received a targeted ad on my mobile phone or computer since 2014. So if you want to know how I do that, go to myprivacytips.com. The point is, to answer your question, uh, there's no question that they're after our kids, Because that's how you control the future is you go after the kids and kids are extremely, extremely vulnerable. So uh, how they're using the content they're using to achieve their ends, uh, I'm not sure. But that leaked video that I just mentioned, The Selfish Ledger, actually talks about the ability of the company to re-engineer humanity according to, and I'm not kidding you, it's in there, according to Google's values. It doesn't say company values, it says Google's values. So why this horrible, weird, crazy stuff? I think I that has person. to do. I think that has to do with addiction. It's a it's what social scientists call negativity bias. It's like when you're on the highway and there's an accident up there. You cannot, you no matter how hard you try, you cannot pull your eyes away. And that's called negativity bias. It also it's also called the cockroach and the salad phenomenon. I think that the the horrific content on YouTube is put there in very short bursts here and there, so that parents don't see it. Uh, it's put there to addict children, so that they will come back over and over and over again. Wow. Uh, and but the the larger program, the details, we haven't figured that out yet. So going, you know, preserving content that's going to real kids, that's step one. Remember, this has never been done before. And if we are not tracking them, if we are not keeping track of this content, We will have absolutely no idea why someone won or lost an election. We will have no idea why our kids believe the craziest things that that we're saying, where did this come from? We will not understand what is happening around us unless we do to these companies what they do to us 24 hours a day. We have to track them. We have to surveil them and we have to preserve the content so it can be analyzed now or in the future.
0: Well, I find this incredibly fascinating. Can I ask a question? 55 people. Dave Saltman has, uh, uh, someone's jumping in here. Uh, Dave Saltman uh, hasn't spoken. Dave's my buddy from uh, way back and has an incredible resume in the major media. David, uh, uh, come on, jump in, please.
11: Well, I just have a question. I'm not sure I understand. And if i missed this, it's my fault. How do you know the votes were changed?
0: There's a question coming from...
11: ...voters. How do you know that the vote changed? Right. So that... ...seeing all these influences, but where's the proof that that had any effect? It didn't change the map of the the red and blue map.
0: Wait, wait, you're muted somehow, Dr. Epstein. Hold on, Epstein. Somehow you got muted. I don't. I don't know what's going on here. Why are you muted? Mute.
3: Who's muting you? Yeah, we have a problem with people unmuting themselves and cutting people off, and then trying to mute the interrupters. And we've accidentally. Right. um So here's. here's okay, I'm back. Explain. Wait, let me just explain real, real quick. And we can move on. If you unmute yourself, and when we don't call on you, we're going to kick you out. We got to get through this. So so please cooperate. We'll get to everyone as long as everyone cooperates. Thank you. Go ahead,
0: Dr. Uh, Dr. Epstein.
10: Sure. Well, we know positively and without doubt that the change occurs in people who are undecided. We know this from now more than 11 years of randomized controlled experiments with tens of thousands of people. Uh, these are very, very carefully done experiments, which are not only randomized and controlled, they're counterbalanced and, and so on. So, uh, and we publish in top journals. So our work actually makes it through peer review. And we have a, a whole bunch of new studies coming out on what we call the YouTube manipulation effect. So we've quantified the, uh, how YouTube can be used to shift opinions and votes. A targeted messaging effect that, that shows the impact of, uh, of tweets, believe it or not, on, on uh, what used to be called Twitter. Uh, we we've this work is extremely uh, sophisticated. We know positively and without any doubt uh, what kind what uh, exactly what kind of shift each technique uh, can produce, and the monitoring systems they show us whether the techniques are actually being used. So you have on the one hand the rigorous scientific work that quantifies and identifies the techniques, and the other hand we have the monitoring systems and they capture the evidence showing that the techniques are being used. But yeah. if you're interested in, you want the details, uh, go to um, mygoogleresearch.com. It's got links to lots and lots of content. Or if you go to triplethreat.com, uh, you'll see an expanded version of my congressional testimony. And by the way, uh, just yesterday I was invited again to testify before Congress. So that might happen in, within the next two or three weeks.
0: Dave Solomon, do you want to uh, continue with that question? Am I missing
11: something? If you, if they were undecided in the first place, how do you know what they would have decided if they decided something else?
10: Because the, the experiments generally have three, three parts to them. In the first part, we give people some very basic information about some candidates, and we get them to weigh in on who they would vote for. We ask them lots of questions about trusting and liking and so on. And then we give them a chance to do some research on the candidates and we'll, let's say, give them access to a search engine. Some people are randomly assigned to a group in which the search results favor one candidate. In some, they favor another candidate. In a third group, they favor neither candidate. And after they they do the research so that they now feel more comfortable making an informed decision, uh, we ask them those questions again and we see if there's a shift. When we first did this, very first experiment we ran in 20, early 2013, I predicted we could use biased search results to produce a two or three percent shift in voting preferences. Uh, I couldn't have been more wrong. And by the way, two or three percent, I, I thought would be important because some, some elections are very, very close. If you can uh, shift two or three percent of undecided voters at the last minute, uh, that can swing a close election. But I was wrong because the shift we got in that first experiment was 43%. When we we repeated that with an entirely different group, and these were not college sophomores, by the way, this is a group of people who are representative of U.S. voters, we got a 66% shift. Then we, we were able to learn quickly enough that we could mask what we were doing so that no one had the slightest idea that they were seeing biased search results. No one had the slightest idea that they were being manipulated. And we, then we did a national study in the US with more than 2,000 people. Again, got an enormous shift in voting preferences. But more importantly, this group was so large that 8% of them did claim to see bias in the search results. And guess what? they shifted even farther in the direction of the bias. So just seeing the bias doesn't protect you from the bias. Those people basically were saying to themselves, well, I can see that the algorithm is preferring this candidate. This must be the best candidate. And don't forget, we're using random assignment. We're, we're pushing half the people toward candidate A and the other half toward candidate B. We can, we can push undecided voters any old way we want to and so can Google. Okay, uh, David, you
0: want to follow up on that, or uh, this is really fascinating. one last
11: one last question. Go ahead, Dave. One last observation, and then I'm off.
0: No, it's fine. To
11: what degree is this different from just regular advertising? Isn't that the issue more than Google per se? In other words, the attempt to influence votes has been there forever. How is this? Is this just a question of scale?
10: No, nope, not at all. This is a fundamentally different kind of technique, because if you buy an advertisement, I can buy another ad- an advertisement to oppose yours. And then you can buy two advertisements to oppose mine. Advertising, billboards, uh, getting dead people to vote. Uh, I don't care. You, know, you look at any, any particular technique that's ever been used, uh, all the dirty tricks and the not so dirty tricks and the normal methods of influence using advertising, they're all inherently competitive. Uh, unfortunately, the person who has the most resources uh, uh, tends to win because of that, but they're inherently competitive. The problem is that if Google, which controls 92% of search worldwide and controls most email worldwide and controls most, uh, most online traffic worldwide through its uh, Chrome browser and controls most mobile uh, computing worldwide through Android, its operating system, all of those are surveillance platforms, okay? So they know more about you than anyone in the universe. They know more about you than you do. And we know from our latest research that if they customize the biased content they're sending you, they customize it based on your preferences, that triples. It can triple the size of the effects that we get from bias alone. Personalizing gives them much more power. So in other words, Google is there... They're, It's a whole new world of influence that has never existed before, because if they want to support one candidate or party, there's nothing you can do. They control the platform.
0: Wow, that is huge. I think I'd like to have you back uh, next year um, in in January to go go over this again, because I'm sure people's minds are blown by a lot of (laughs) Julie Wiener just... Put her hands on her head. I mean, this is mind-boggling. Nobody has left. Um, I do want to introduce you, and I hope you'll stay with us. Uh, Dave Solomon, I, you know, Dave Saltman is uh, at the top of the heap here in terms of media experience. And uh, Dave, is there anything else you want to ask him right now, or do you want to wait for another time? Go at him. Uh, okay. Uh, 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 Dave is really uh, uh, essential to a lot of this. Uh, this, Dr. Epstein, this is mind boggling stuff. I would like you, I hope to stay. Are you still with us? I'm still here. Okay, yes. I'd like you to stay if you can. We have Carl Grossman, um, who is one of the great, great uh, experts in nuclear energy, who's going to tell us what's going on. And those of us, uh, you know, there's all this new push. Uh, they're now talking about tripling nuclear power, uh, which is beyond insane, and we are wondering where this is coming from in terms of public opinion. And we're wondering if, if we have talked about this, if the, the, the internet uh, um, influencers, as we'd call them, uh, are pushing the public towards uh, nuclear energy, which makes no sense at all. So if you've got a minute to listen to Carl or well, you know, and if you would do us the favor of maybe investigating uh, some of that uh, um, uh, agenda that might exist with Google and others. That would be very, very interesting to a lot of a lot of people. Uh, Mike Hirsch, had,
3: Mike, you got your hand here? Mike, yeah, Hirsch. thank you, Sluggo. And this is absolutely fascinating uh, data, um, Dr. Epstein. Absolutely incredible. I applaud your efforts, and you're doing an incredibly great job. I have to make a few points, and these are very important. They may sound... Uh, nitpicky. But Google does not in any way, shape or form have a left leaning philosophy. There's no evidence that it's left leaning. It's not even centrist. It's corporatist. And it's far to the right of where Richard Nixon, or Dwight Eisenhower were in the Republican Party. It's not anywhere even near where Goldwater was who believed in privacy and and had some libertarian principles. Google leans far more corporate and and so dedicated to invading, systematically invading people's uh, privacy and manipulating them, that there is absolutely nothing liberal about it. And so I think your terminology itself has an unintentional bias. I'm not accusing you of doing this on purpose, but I think it's very important for everybody to understand that the mainstream of of the Democratic Party may be moderate. The leadership is conservative. The Republican Party is far to the right and when you talk about a centrist, you are talking about somebody like Bernie Sanders, whose policies are overwhelmingly possible, uh, popular with the American people, and Google did not support Bernie Sanders. Hillary Clinton is in no way, shape, or form on the left. She, she's not even to the left of Trump on several important issues. What she is is a loyal Wall Street corporatist, a neoliberal, which is something that's neither new nor liberal. It's a misnomer, and it's very important that we understand that Hillary Clinton was president of the College of Republicans. She was on the Walmart board of directors, and there's nothing left or liberal about her, and there's nothing left or liberal about Google. And I think that if you reexamine your methodology and terminology with that understanding, I think the differences will be even more stark and even more threatening.
10: Mr. Ah,
0: Wasserman, no, may I, I reply? Yes, please. That's and I, I want you to understand. Mike Krish is, is one of the uh, co-conveners of these calls, and uh, mm. very, very well placed um, in the politics uh, 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 of the uh, of the various movements, including Progressive Democrats of America, which is, a, as you well know, a very and what he just said is probably indicative of a of strong majority position at Progressive de- de- Democrats of America. Carl Ka- Grossman, I've asked you to come on to talk about nuclear. I, I hope you've got time for this. Carl uh, is, uh, is scheduled next. He's a full professor uh, in on Stony Brook uh, uh, in, uh, no, it's it's a different school. on Old Westbury. Uh, Old Westbury, uh, right. professor of journalism. Poised to talk about nuclear power, but Carl, I'm sure you're as interested in this as the rest of us, and we'll get to you if that's okay. Sure, fine. am no problem. Okay. Excellent. Okay. Dr. Dr. Epstein, go ahead, please.
10: Well, you're using language uh, differently than, than I do. And I don't, I don't want to quibble about language. I will simply point out that 96% of Google's donations uh, uh, for years have gone to Democrats uh, that uh, Hillary Clinton's chief technology officer, Stephanie Hannon was a former Google executive that, uh, Clinton's largest donor in 2016 was Alphabet slash Google. Uh, so, uh, you know, from the perspective of uh, at least people I know on the right, uh, Hillary Clinton would be considered uh, on the left. And I think you're talking from a perspective of so called progressive left. You know what? I, I hope we can just for the purpose of, of the message I'm trying to convey set aside all of these labels because my point is simply this I don't want a private company which is accountable to no, to none of us no matter what our label it's not accountable to the public in any shape or form I don't want this much power being in the hands of a of a handful of corporate executives and that's that's what I study that's what we've that's what we've uh, uh, built this monitoring system to try to cope with uh, because you just don't know what they're going to do. And try to imagine if there's no monitoring system in place. It means you have absolutely no idea what how they're using the incredible influence that they have. That they have the influence, believe me, is beyond doubt. But without a monitoring system, you have no way of knowing what they're doing. The EU, you may be aware, has fined Google repeatedly more than now more than 10 billion euros, has passed some very, very strong laws trying to keep Google and to a lesser extent other tech companies in check. It's made no difference, absolutely no difference. And in the EU, the irony is that although they've passed these strong laws, the laws are ignored because they have no monitoring system. It's very hard to, it will be hard for us to set up systems like this in the EU for various reasons, but we've been approached now by people from seven countries asking us to help them Help them set up these systems. These systems must exist because if you don't set them up, you have no idea how ephemeral content is being used 24 hours a day to shift the opinions, attitudes, beliefs, purchases, votes of billions of people.
0: Wow. Amazing. Mike, did you want to follow up on that? I think Mike's, Mike's argument is that um, while you're using the term that Google is liberal uh, in in the world of the progressive uh uh in the, in the world of progressives they're they're not liberal at all and sure. i i really uh, i've met hillary clinton and i i am totally agree in no way shape or form would i consider a creature her a creature of the left and mike did you want to add to that before yeah
3: we- yeah the, the yeah. fact of the matter is this isn't quibbling hillary clinton is in no way liberal she just isn't neoliberal and liberal are not synonymous And no matter how much money the executives give to a corporatist right wing Democrat, that does not mean that they're that the corporatist uh, uh, executives at Google are any more left wing than Hillary Clinton is or any more liberal than Hillary Clinton is. They're just not. And it's your entire um, methodology is skewed to the right. And I don't blame you because that's the Overton window that's been imposed by the mainstream corporate media. That's what we've been led to believe. But if Hillary Clinton is on the left, what does that make the rest of the entire world that, unlike Hillary Clinton, supports single-payer health care, opposes fracking, believes in banking reform, everybody in Europe, the EU, uh, the developing global south, the entire world and most American people, according to um, every pop, uh, legitimate opinion poll, shows the American public is far to the left of Hillary Clinton. And even Donald Trump is to the left of Hillary Clinton on some issues. these It's not about left and right so much as it is about up and down. And Hillary Clinton has always served the overclass. She is not a liberal, she's not on the left. And no matter who gives her money, if Google gives her money, um, that doesn't mean that they support the left. That means they support elitism, corporatism, and um, and rule I, by corporations. I, I, I must
10: I must interrupt because you're 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 continue to take to try right. to take me off track, and I will not be taken off track. This is not about Hillary Clinton. This is not about labels. This is about an obscene and and inappropriate yes. use of corporate power. And that's what we have documented, and that's what we're trying to stop.
0: So I think a part of the discussion would be you have an inc- you you yourself have an incredibly important power uh, and, and platform. I mean, uh, you, we've got more people on the call than when you started. So uh, uh, this is incredibly important and fascinating stuff. And I think Mike's point, and it's a precautionary point, is that if you say that Google has a liberal bias and then the right wing jumps on that, the contention is that it's not a liberal bias. It's a, 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 you know, it's a Clintonite bias. I will send you, if you don't mind, I wrote a history of the United States, and and I, the, the most difficult and ang, uh, infuriating part of my writing a history of the United States was writing about the Clintons. And, and, you know, and and Mike, in my world, is 100% right. In no way, shape, or I met them both. In no way, shape, or form are they liberals, and so, when your incredibly powerful and brilliant and absolutely essential work uses the term "liberal to describe Google's bias, that hurts us on the progressive side. The question for us is not did they support Hillary. Uh, it's uh, best making them liberal. It's the, what did they do to Bernie? And what did they do to uh, you know, people who really are uh, considered? Modern liberal, so that's that we're talking apples and oranges here, but they're both incredibly important. I'm nobody on this call would in any way, shape, or form downgrade or quibble with the importance of your work. It's it's phenomenal and unique. And uh, Camilla, thank you for uh, bringing Dr. Epstein on. The question is, uh, uh, you know, the the use of the word liberal, and and that I think is worth an examination. You know, if I'm you-
10: going to give this matter serious thought because I I don't want to uh inadvertently be getting people off track here and and i think that's what's happened to some extent uh today and you know in this call no Uh, it's it's great
0: it's really great that we're having this discussion but to me this is
10: this i i'm not concerned about those issues believe it or not i am concerned about again the the obscene and inappropriate use of corporate power which is growing it is it is growing by the minute because internet penetration is growing around the world so if i'd given this talk a year ago i would have said they were impacting the beliefs and votes and so on of four billion or 3.5 billion now it's over five billion so you know they're 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 exercising this power around the world and you know the fact of the matter is that they're very secretive about their actual position on issue by issue or candidate by candidate, party by party, they're very secretive. I mean, that makes it even worse, in effect. Yes, exactly. It's just not not knowing what it is they're trying to achieve and them denying, of course, that they are trying to achieve anything, which is so ludicrous. Uh and, and the fact that we see, you know, consistent bias in one direction or another, that should cause you concern too, no matter what the labels. I think we all should try. Especially hard these days to try to avoid <laughs> labels, but when it comes to this this issue in particular, uh, I'm I'm not concerned about the labels because, as I said, in different countries they do very different things. Right. They do whatever certain and that's and that sense, right. that's corporatism. They do whatever serves them. Exactly. But meanwhile, but- they do have this agenda, which Facebook does not have, as far as we can tell. They actually have an agenda of wanting to re-engineer humanity according to their own values. And we don't know exactly what those are, but we know that they have the power to do it. Exactly. You've made that point.
0: It's it's an incredibly important point, especially, you know, like Dave asked, to see uh, uh, the kind of data that you've accumulated. for uh, Carl Grossman and I and the rest of us who work on energy, I would be really interested to find out, we would all be really interested to find out what their bias is on energy. Are they supporting nuclear? Are they opposing renewables? You know, I, I would really, and so when we get to the nitty gritty, once we acknowledge what you know about uh, that, here we here we had Carl on to talk about, and and, and I want to, if you don't mind, those of you who raised your hand, I want to jump very quickly to Carl. While I have Dr. Epstein on to inform us, uh, uh, Carl, uh, uh, Carl expected to be on a half hour ago. So please, those of you, with the hands, if you'll uh, give us forbearance. Carl, can you tell us and Dr. Epstein what we're hearing now? Just within the last couple of weeks of a of a proposed tripling of the uh, of uh, of nuclear power on this planet is completely insane. Where is this coming from, uh, Carl Grossman?
12: Well, it it just actually has begun in the last couple of days, and it involves the COP28 conference in the the Emirates, uh, which is being held, um, well, it's over on November 12th. And it began in a very suspicious way. I mean, here's the cover, if people can see it, of Time magazine this week. And uh, the the caption is, Oil Executive Sultan al Jabber is at the center of a global climate fight, man in the middle. He's the president. This is the guy who is the head of the oil, the major oil company. What happens when Abu Dhabi's chief oil exec is tasked with phasing down fossil fuels? So there was, in the several days at the beginning of this uh, uh, this conference. It's an annual conference sponsored by the UN. There was all kinds of issues being raised about vested interest, and this guy's his vested interest. But speaking of vested interest, what's occurred in the last several days is a declaration presented, this is a couple of days ago, at this conference. And the headline, this is the CNBC story today, U.S. Leads Coalition to triple nuclear power by 2050 in an effort to address climate change. Uh, and uh, let me just touch on some of the stuff in this uh, this declaration. Um, well, let me go back to the CNBC story. The United States and more than 20 other countries pledged to triple nuclear power to achieve net zero carbon emissions and limit carbon change. Now. I, I've written and done television programs in recent years, a lot of both, on how nuclear power is not emissions-free in terms of greenhouse gases, in terms of carbon. The nuclear fuel cycle is laden with uh, with uh, particularly enrichment and mining and milling. And actually, nuclear power plants emit carbon themselves, radioactive carbon, carbon-14. Uh, but the media speaking about what Dr. Epstein has been speaking, and I'm a, a professor of journalism and I was schooled at the New School of Social Research in New York, where I got my graduate degree in media theory. Media have not picked up whatsoever the connection between uh, climate change and, in fact, nuclear power. A nations signing in, I mean, we can scream and yell about Biden doing this, and his his climate envoy, John Kerry, representing this point of view at the Climate Conference. But other nations signing in, can over 20 include the United Kingdom, Canada, France, Japan, Hungary, Sweden, the Netherlands of all places, Ukraine, Czech Republic, I can go on and on. And let me just, just I'll close in a few uh, minutes, but uh, i Their declaration tells the story, and it's online, recognizing the key role of nuclear energy in achieving global net zero greenhouse gas emissions. Baloney, baloney, baloney. Speaking of big lies, uh, what follows uh, then are a series of paragraphs, all beginning with the word recognizing. Recognizing that nuclear energy is already the second largest source of clean, dispatchable, base low power, recognizing the IAEA's activities in sport of member states. The IAEA is an international mirror image of our former U.S. Atomic Energy Commission, which in 1974 was abolished by the Congress uh, and being in conflict of interest, both regulating and promoting nuclear technology. The IAEA is here today doing both in conflict of interest, both missions, uh, recognize the importance of, again, part of the declaration of financing for the additional nuclear power capacity and so forth. Uh, Wall Street has moved away from nukes because uh, it's considered a very risky, to say the least, investments. And then I'll end with this. Participants in this pledge then commit to, and there's a bunch of paragraphs beginning with commit including here a commitment to invite shareholders of the World Bank, international financial institutions, and regional development banks to encourage the inclusion of nuclear energy in their organization. I've spoken on these calls about the uh, the big excuse being used these days to promote nuclear power, the, the, the new the new baloney that it would alleviate it would counter climate change, which is totally untrue. So here, what what the nuclear industry and governments, they're all tied together in terms of nuclear, are doing is through the United Nations and through this series, these annual meetings, uh, trying to, uh, the, the meetings are part of the United Nations uh, uh, Climate something. Convention. Uh, I can't read my writing here. Uh, on climate change. Uh, is uh, really developing global policy in terms of climate change by using nuclear power, and it's yeah. it's 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 come out of to my view it it's really come out suddenly uh, in, in a very powerful way, and it has to be dealt with.
0: Yes, and and it would be, and I, I raise this with you, Doctor Epstein, on the phone, be, on the call, because it'd be be I would be astounded. If a uh, uh, Google and these other um, inf- media influencers, mega influencers, uh, uh, are not supporting um, a renewable, I mean, uh, not supporting uh, nuclear power, we have to remember that the nuclear industry uh, has never separated from the nu- nuclear power industry has never separated from the nuclear weapons industry, and so we something is going on to affect global opinion uh, in favor of atomic power, as Carl is one of the great experts. And I very quickly, if you don't mind, want to call on someone who has his hand is another expert, Ron Leonard. Uh, uh, Ron, are you there? Uh, You just, I just saw you and maybe now you're gone. But Ron Leonard is a founder of the uh, renewable energy industry. And in the last year or two, we've seen a massive attack, a massive worldwide corporate attack on renewable energy. And um, uh, I'm wondering if Google uh, and these other uh, influencers are not involved with that. So we wanted to alert you. I I had a double function here. Um, um, uh, Did you want uh, uh, Dr. Epstein uh, to leave uh, if you need to go? Otherwise, we'll keep you on. But I did want to applaud your presentation, which is mind-boggling. And I really want to thank um, uh, Mike Hirsch for raising the issue of the question of the use of the word liberal, because uh, it's it's really something that needs to be rethought here. Especially I, I, when it comes to I the agree.
10: I, I agree with that completely. And I'm going to give that a lot of thought and see if there's some way I can I can uh, respond to that meaningfully and maybe make changes in the way we're we're presenting ourselves. But meanwhile, I am going to have to run, but I'd be happy to come on again at some point. And uh, you know the good news is that we now have a system in place so we can find out for sure. No matter what these companies might say in their, you know, their PR releases, uh, we can find out for sure uh, what they're actually what they're showing real people. Because that's the only way to know for sure what they're doing. It's you right. have to you have to look at where the rubber meets the road, and that's the eyeballs of the people they're sending content to. And at least now we've made tremendous progress. That website I, that I showed you a little earlier—that's a literally a three million dollar website—and it's got a long way to go. A lot of features that need to be added, and we have to increase uh, uh, the the number of computers that we're monitoring through. But the point is, that we've made a lot of progress. But thank you so much, all of you. Well, we'd I'm, we'd I'm, like
0: I, to ha- we'd like to have you come back in January, maybe yes. uh, uh, rethink some of this. I will send you by a, a Camilla a copy of my history in the United States. I don't expect you to read all of it, but please do read the chapters on the Clintons. I mean, I had to throw stuff at walls when I really, (laughs) having lived through it, I still, when I really researched what the Clintons did, mind-boggling to me. So anyway, thank you so much. Thank you again for being with us. And and Camilla, thank you for bringing Dr. Epstein and we'll see you in January.
10: Very good. Thank you. Nice to meet you. That was great. Great
0: stuff. Mind really really Dave stuff. Solomon, thank you also for raising the issue so, you did. That was really good. Mind so
11: bubb-
0: what's that? A quick,
13: a quick point on Leonard. on uh, you first. Oh yes, Ron Leonard, please. You you disappeared on me. Go ahead. Uh, I, I was in the dark, but now I'm in this in the site. So the uh the uh, point that I need to make is we don't have to look for the secret bias of Google pointing to more nuclear power plants, or even the IRA Act uh, giving it funding, Uh, starting seven years ago, a group of uh, volunteers, that's what they call themselves, went to every state in the union, including Puerto Rico, to have conclaves of those people who were, you know, in the know, or uh, influencers, or however you want to call them, to present nuclear power as the alternative of how we need to have energy in the future. It was really simple. Somebody invested in putting in a very detailed and state-intensive PR campaign in every state in the nation, and it proved successful. You spend the money, you get the results. So this is what we're faced with. And if you look at the IRA, just posted something in the, uh, in the chat, uh, there is vast amounts of money to put these molecular power plants on the old uh, coal-fired... Or other polluting sites that were in existence that are no longer being used and other bad, otherwise bad land, but they think it's good land for nuclear power,
0: right? And these guys, the, the, this industry is doing everything it possibly can to stop solar and wind. I mean, it, it's it's more than even economic. It appears to be some kind of deep religious crusade against renewable energy. It's mind-boggling, and I can't believe that they're not getting a hand from people like, uh, you know, Google and the other. Uh, although Google, of course, uh, uh, is very famously generating a lot of their power with renewables. I really, We really need to know what's going on here uh, because it's mystifying in many ways. I do want to – Ron, uh, it's great to have you with us. Stay with us. I did invite Nina Beattie uh, on to uh, talk about – and sorry, Justin, Stephen – um, uh, Mary, we will get to you, but Nina Bt is an invited guest. And uh, Needy, Nina, you um, are talking about a power plant that um, uh, I knew it never knew existed in um, near Diablo Canyon in California. Uh, can you can you talk to us, uh, Nina? I'm trying to unmute you here.
14: And, uh, and Harvey, once Nina has spoken, I oh just yes, like um, and yes, I make, can I make that announcement now?
0: Yeah, go ahead, please. Go oh, ahead. Thank
14: you so much. So, everybody, we have great news. Um, California Solartopia is finally back on KPFK ninety point seven FM uh, uh, at uh, five o'clock. We've got a whole hour, five o'clock Pacific time, on Wednesday evenings, and um, we just started in the middle of a fun drive. We had our first um, we had our first show um, last Wednesday. And um, we would encourage all of you, if you're in the position to do so, please show your support for the show by going to this website and I'll put the link in the chat or maybe, um, well, I'll put the link in the chat right after I've shown you how to do this. But basically, um, this is the place where you donate. And right here, you can see it says, you can specify your support of a program by selecting from the list below. So as soon as you uh, select that little arrow, you can scroll down and you can come to California Solartopia. And if you select California Solartopia, please um, give us, you know, make a donation for as much as you can. If you can make a donation of a minimum of $25, you become a voting member of KPFK, and that's very important, and we'll talk about that more later, but please right. go to this website, scroll down to California Solartopia, even $5, okay. $10, whatever you can give. Thank you, Harvey.
0: Thank you, Myla. And uh, people who are not in LA, uh, uh, Myla, can tune in on the internet somehow. Can you give us a link where people can listen to the show on the internet?
14: Well, yeah, I will. Um, I'm If you just go to kpfk.org, Okay. Uh, prominently on the website it will say uh listen
0: right and, so it's and great there
14: are, and there are archives as well of our show so um that's uh we can provide that information about uh, uh about how to access the archives i guess at some point in time
0: okay uh, one one thing I'm, uh Myla, we we need to mention we are in a desperate a crusade this is the year that will decide the fate of kpfk and of uh, Pacifica Radio Network. And we will be talking about this <clears throat> more, but we're we're desperately trying to uh, get Pacifica back on track to be a major, uh a, the major uh media presence uh, uh of the progressive left in many uh, different venues and becoming a member of KPFK and Pacifica in general allows you to have have a vote in, in that happening. So thank you for that, Mila. Um, somebody's phone is going off i don't know if it's mine um and uh, uh, nina uh, thank you myla again I need, and myla by the way is about to join the pacific national pacific national board so thank you for doing that myla i'm trying to unmute nina uh nina Beatty, can we unmute you please somehow so you can tell us uh this has been an astounding meeting we were going to have a discussion of the middle east i think we'll if we can do that next week Uh, Those of you who came on for that, if you'll forgive us uh, because we've really, um, with uh, Dr. Epstein's uh, uh, presentation, gone over. I can't get Nina unmuted. Nina
3: Beattie, can you speak? No? I've been trying to get her to unmute as well. Unfortunately, maybe she's having some technical difficulties with her phone, which is really too bad. Let's have Uh, her on again soon. Okay,
0: um, we'll keep keep trying, Nina. Uh, go, let's go to our questions. Uh, Stephen Sondheim, you haven't been able to speak. Um, can we unmute you? Stephen Sondheim?
3: Well, we're having trouble you, muting people. Yeah, please un, unmute, Stephen, and uh, give us your latest musical, if nothing else. <laughs> uh, I'm oh, sure no. he gets it. Uh, there we okay. go. All There's... right,
15: Stephen, go ahead. Can you hear me now? Yes. Oh, good. Well, I really have some points to support you, Harvey, on using Dr. Epstein or getting him to take a look for us at the not only the energy policies, but the factors. And this is my stick lately, that the public just assumes it's good for climate change. And the public doesn't know. And see, the, the presenters of this, whoever said they sent out know represent people all over the uh, world a couple of years ago, it's already taken. People assume that we've got to have it for climate change and they, and, but the presenters of it don't tell you how long, how much. And Arnie Gunderson has, has put forth a notion that even by 2045, if they build a thousand nuclear power plants, uh, it'll reduce greenhouse gases by 6%. And no one challenges that. See, all the government people and the nuclear people and now the UN people say it's the deal. It needs to be challenged. And that's something I would like Dr. Epstein to look at, like people's takes on, are they just buying it or are they wondering? And then the other thing that really needs to be looked at is we're already in trouble on utilities. Too much for many people, and Arnie says it's gonna it's gonna triple the utility costs by nineteen. Excuse me, by twenty forty five. That point hasn't been made. So it's it's the details that they're not answering to, and I would like I work with you, Harvey. I would like to to, to drum up something to get him to be able to look at those factors. Why are people just buying this hook, line, and sinker without being told the timeline or how it's going to happen or how much it's going to cost or how much it's going to influence the utility, the average person.
0: Yeah, you're 100%. So I wish
15: I'd been able to tell him that, but uh, I'll work with you on that.
0: Yes, okay. Stephen, thanks for that. You're 100% right. Uh, they, they're not talking about the cost of nuclear power, they're not talking about the uh, negative impacts on employment, uh, none of that other stuff. It's, it's really been, uh, and this is a
15: full court press. I mean, they are Well, really the thing is, is that, that when when presenters and I'm thinking of you know all the way from the U.S. Department of Energy to to everybody, they just make their statement that it's good for climate change, and no one in the audience ever asks them, uh, "Tell me how that's going to happen? How how long is it going to take? How how much greenhouse gases are it going to?" It's assumed, and this particularly interests me because of the way the in, the internet might be influencing that. I don't know, frankly, if Google is directly supporting one kind of energy or another. But by not challenging these assumptions, they just get done. You're
0: 100% right. Very well stated, Stephen. Thank you for that.
15: Thank
0: Uh, you. uh, Keep coming with us. I appreciate it. It's good to work with you. I do believe we have Nina unmuted. Nina. I think I am.
16: You can hear me okay?
0: Yes, you're, you're good now. Thank you.
16: Great. I'll
0: point out, by the way, it's 3.50 p.m. Uh, California time. We got another 10 minutes to go to the top of the hour. As usual, we'll wander over uh, toward 4.20 uh, based on uh, uh, Stephen uh, Caruso's uh, magnanimity. Thank you, Steve, again, for um, uh, engineering this. Uh, Wendy, good to have you with us, Mike Hirsch. Uh, great points, Mike, by the way. Uh, okay, go ahead, Nina, please.
16: Um, I wanted to bring attention, and this has been posted on the website, HealFukushima.org, that um, for some time there have been some very credible reports uh, by people that worked uh, for Pacific Gas and Electric and General Electric. Um, that uh, GE built a breeder nuclear reactor. It was not a power reactor. It was a breeder nuclear reactor for PG&E in Central California at a little town called Moss Landing. And this happened in the late 1960s. Um, I was investigating this. Um, There was an edge of urgency because uh, there is a battery storage facility being built on the property. And, as part of this, they've built quite a bit of it, but they're demolishing old equipment and it appeared that the this information has not been publicly um, available. Um, nobody in my area knows of any reactor there, and yet these uh, reports uh, that that I became aware of some time back um, I needed to get those two people um and according to them, a GE nuclear power division in San Jose designed and built it for PGE and um, about 1968 and it began operation approximately 1969. It was a very expensive reactor it, um, and it operated until mid to late 1970s when it was shut down. Um, since the reactor was secret, um, it's not known why it was shut down. The control room was under the, if any of you have ever been to Central California, the two very tall smokestacks. And um, the control room was underneath one of those smokestacks. And there was an access stairwell to the control room um, with a metal railing. Um, and a former worker at Moss Landing witnessed small planes periodically flying through the steam, um, presumably taking samples um, the uh, one of the people that helped build the reactor later went to work for Pacific Gas and Electric in the 1980s and inquired about the reactor, how it was functioning, how's it doing. And PG&E employees told him it doesn't exist and <laughs> shut up or you're finding a new job. And that very weekend, this was on a Friday that these discussions, these conversations were having, they were uh, very um, uh, upset about him talking about it and uh, the weekend PG&E filled in the access stairwell with concrete and cut off the metal railing surround um, a former employee went to the Monterey County Planning Department to see if permits had been issued didn't find any record of permits. Um, the NRC which I've reached out to in DOE also don't have any uh, told me they don't have any responsive records but that can either mean they'd have no records or they have no records that they will disclose to the public um, if it existed, it was, and I'm saying if it existed, it was operated at the same time that PGE was operating the Humboldt Bay nuclear power plant, which Science Magazine called the dirtiest of the nation's power reactors. And it would have the same safety problems, the same lack of AEC oversight, and potentially the same high radioactive emissions and contaminations that have still not been dealt with in Humboldt Bay. Um, there's still uh, huge contamination issues and illnesses around the power plant. Um, so uh, I have gone to, um, I've contacted state, federal, and local authorities to let them know about the situation, and um, they've either taken no steps that I know of, or they refuse to do so. Uh, CDC, uh AT-SDR, which is a toxic substance uh uh agency at the federal level, they said they don't do investigations normally and I said after talking with them, it's no, you don't do investigations period, it sounds like. So, um I've let people know locally, but this is a a very uh Emergency situation in that the Vistra Energy is the company that has these part of the site that's going to be uh, that they're developing with uh, battery storage, lithium ion battery storage, which is very explosively flammable under a variety of conditions. And they're continuing to demolish equipment and buildings at the site and may actually be doing excavation at some point, um, which is uh, sort of chilling. so i I wanted to get this information out to the public. Um, to let them know that more investigation definitely needs to be done with proper monitoring equipment. Um, There was a recent uh, battery storage uh, uh, dog and pony show, I'll call it, a meeting um, that was uh, uh, John Laird, who many of you are familiar with, uh, has been pushing, basically pushing nuclear energy. and facilitating the uh, the extension, possible extension that Diablo Canyon may be getting, um, he was there, and uh, the local assemblywoman was there, and the public was not allowed to speak. Um, we were I allowed to submit questions.
0: Nina, do you live Do you live near this uh, facility? Yes, I do. Well, I so does about- Tatanka. You should get in touch with Tatanka and with Linda Seely, You must know Linda Seely and the Mothers for Peace. And yes, uh,
16: I've notified Mothers for Peace about this. Okay, anyway. well, then
0: you should all be in touch Tatanka to is as your neighbor here. And, um, 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 you know, this is pretty mind-boggling to have a nuclear plant that nobody ever heard of. I mean, that's yeah, well, it, it, may, it,
16: it, it may not have been a huge plant. I mean, since it was for a, 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 a breeder reactor, um, it, it's just unknown. There's so many unknowns about this. What was it there for? You know, were they trying to make off the books plutonium?
0: Who knows? Um, okay, well, and, listen. And,
16: so, Well, that's amazing stuff. We will,
0: <laughs> let's do more on this next week um, uh, because uh, 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 you know, we've t- uh, just obviously touched the tip of an iceberg here. Uh, we'll come back to this in a minute. Thank you so much for that, Nina. I've got your email, Perfect. I believe, and Mila Reeson also. We we can talk about this, Myla, on Wednesday on our Solartopia show, so let's Let's have you on with that. I did, pro- we'll come back to this in a minute. It's almost four o'clock. Steve, if you don't mind hanging with us another 20 minutes, that'd be wonderful. Um, I, I did promise Barbara Wimsat to speak next. And I don't know if she has to leave, but now we're trying, we have the issue of unmuting her. There we go. Oh, I had you, uh, Barbara Wimsat.
17: Yeah, I I There, have- there you are.
0: Okay, go ahead, Barbara, please. Well,
17: I had. Uh, One question and a comment. The question was, uh, you mentioned the connection between uh, nuclear power and nuclear weapons. And I was just wondering if anybody could say more about that. Um, And the second thing is, um, well, I I live uh, part time here in Michigan, uh, near the lake. And there are two uh, nuclear power plants close to where I live, right on the edge of the lake, Lake Michigan. And uh, one of them still operates Cook. The other one, Palisades, has been shut down. But a company just bought it, and they want to reopen it. It's a really old stayed, one. Yeah. <laughs> I just that's a comment, but I was just wondering um, if you could say more about the connection. Yes, between
0: will well, Barbara, if you'll stay with us, uh, let me get to the other folks quickly. But we have okay. had a ton, and Carl Grossman is is a great ex- expert. On the um uh, links between nuclear power and weapons as well so we'll come back to that in a second uh, let me get Tataka because I know he's a neighbor of this uh a plant um, um at Moss Landing which is also at Morro Bay is that correct um uh, Tataka go ahead
18: no it's not Morro Bay it's uh it's it's about a half hour south of Santa Cruz and about 20 mi- uh 15 minutes north of Monterey so it's not Central California it's Central Coast California. It's on the Pacific Ocean, and um, I know the man who, who was a uh, Vietnam draft resistor. That's how we knew each other. Who got the Humboldt plant um, stopped because he did the uh, the seismic research on it and stopped it in his tracks. And he also knows the people who helped shut that down. But I don't. I don't know. And I know someone else who. Was living in santa cruz who knew about that power plant i didn't even know there was a nuclear plant there but they said oh yeah that was shut down shortly after the humboldt plant was shut down so i have some people who know the history of it and i look forward to talking to nina that's all for now
0: okay it is shocking well there there is a plant north of uh, la which has i mean it's known and it's been fought over but not many people heard of it santa Susana which uh, had a major major accident uh and is one of the most uh, uh radioactive spots on Earth uh right next to uh you know it's in uh, Simi Valley and um, uh it's terrible um anyway thank you for that Nina and uh, you've opened up a whole new can of nuclear worms here that Tatanka uh, and Linda and and Milo and we'll we'll have you on um. Wednesday on our Solartopia show, because people, if this is, no, I never heard of this place. So let's see what we can find out. Thank you so much for that. Great,
16: thank you.
0: Okay. Uh, Justin had his hand and then Mary and then um, Carl will come back to you. Uh, just to wrap up here. We're at four o'clock uh, Pacific time. Uh, go ahead. Carl, And we will, uh, we did advertise Steve Donziger uh, who uh, couldn't come on today to talk about the Middle East. So we'll do that next week. We'll revisit that. Uh, go ahead, uh, Justin, uh, Mary. Anybody else wants to speak? I, I, Myla, do you have a hand? I can't tell.
5: Uh, go ahead, Justin, please. So uh, I should have saved my hand raising because uh, computer behavioral science is actually my field of training, so I oh. would have been perfect to respond to Dr. Epstein. But uh, for you, we'll
0: put you in touch with him. I'm sure he'd like to hear from you.
5: Yes, please. Uh, so anyway, uh, y'all need to know these truths about uh, such things. So first, influencers on social media are more effective than Google because people trust their friends more than they trust institutions even if those friends keep the costs to the hearer and the world hidden by the way to discover a breeder reactor you would use a neutron detector you can look that up (laughs) Um, and then as far as internet power goes that's not unique because it's not the only thing that's been monopolized. In fact, state legislatures and agencies are so gerrymandered, they typically go against the preferences of 80% or more of their citizens. And I happen to work with the cross-partisan organization Represent Us, and as such, for the people that do these kinds of measurements, I recommend that those commentators use at least two axes for their bias labels. First is corporatist versus populist, and the other is dogmatic versus emergent. Okay. All right, so thank that, you. That'll help us actually make more sense of the world that we're living in. Right, and
0: and we have to remember that great religious truth that your your dogma uh, is always going to eat your karma. Yep. So thanks for that. Okay um uh, mary and anybody else who wants to raise we're we're over the time limit here but um, i'll go back to carl grossman uh, for a wrap for sure anybody else wants to jump in please do mary go ahead and then we'll go to carl all
6: right just two things number one please understand that besides your nuclear power plants down there in california affecting the life of people in california whenever california is in drought they're pumping water out of the columbia river which is being fed fed nuclear waste by uh, our Hanford nuclear power plant that is on the Columbian river. Okay. So I just want to point that out for you guys. And number two, when we were talking about how come we don't see it in media, uh, we're constantly complaining that none of the real topics are making any headway in the news or even, even getting any form of spotlight, maybe except for a little local and we got to remember that due to the national press agency stranglehold on the media, the days of Watergate in-depth investigative reporting is long gone. And that the second thing that's causing the problem is the monopolization of our networks to where we don't have any biased networks that just report, you know, all of its controls. You know, if you look at every channel all the news people sound the same they're all saying the same thing it's all typecast and set down a lot like our radio is now to where we don't have djs we can call anymore it's just a loop that's put in so we're all stuck with this loop and not the reality thank you
0: thank you thank you for that very well spoken mary appreciate it carl grossman let's unmute you here i think we've had issues with that too before Okay. Anybody else wants to jump in, we're, um, we're, we're going to sign off soon, so please do. Carl, this has been a mind-boggling couple of hours. Camilla, again, thank you for bringing Dr. Robert Epstein. That was a real path-breaking. Uh, and, and Mike, thank you for raising the issue of his use of the term liberal. That's a big deal, and I think it's going to have an impact. Uh, Carl, go ahead. Yeah, well, uh, on the issue
12: of the connection between nuclear weapons and nuclear power, that two My question. Uh, Two sides of the same coin. Uh, Some excellent pieces have been written in recent years uh, by Alfred Meyer, who was long involved with Physicians for Social Responsibility, including on the Progressive website and in the Progressive magazine. uh, I also interviewed uh, Alfred Meyer, just go to Enviro Video, which is the the TV production company that uh, uh, I do television for, uh, and, um, I mean, the, the origins, actually, of, of nuclear power involved the notion of using nuclear reactors to produce plutonium for weapons. And the idea came from the plutonium production reactors uh, up in the state of Washington at Hanford. Uh, and, and indeed, uh, even today, for the hydrogen bomb, tritium is produced. I think it's the Watts Bar uh, nuclear power plant. Uh, In terms of media, uh, I begin my book, Cover Up, What You're Not Supposed to Know About Nuclear Power, stressing how PR and manipulation of information was long uh, part and parcel of the nuclear push. Uh, Later on, uh, it it was no accident that uh, GE and Westinghouse and the Coke and Pepsi-Cola historically of nuclear power uh, Uh, Most nuclear power plants around the world are either designed or built by uh, GE or Westinghouse. It was no accident that GE uh, acquired uh, NBC or uh, Westinghouse acquired CBS. Uh, And uh, what was presented earlier in terms of uh, public manipulation by media, the new media, and I suppose Google could be considered part of new media, uh, should be uh, viewed, should be probed as part of this, uh, I call the book Cover-Up, What You're Not Supposed to Know About Nuclear Power, because there's been this cover-up from the onset. And there's been cover-ups on so many issues uh, by people who uh, uh, use media not to inform, but to uh, uh, but to confuse and to suppress information.
0: Thank you for that, Carl and you're the great expert. Carl's been writing about this for um, uh, uh, since the dawn of time. Um, is there a, we were, as I say, going to have a discussion on, on the Middle East. We'll do that again. I want to reiterate, uh, we rarely raise money, but um, uh, on this show, uh, but uh, uh, when when um, Milo raises the issue of donating to Pacifica through uh, solartopia, California solartopia we do have a group called New Day Pacifica. And uh, when you when you donate $25 to uh, Pacifica, you you do get a vote, you become a voting member and we need listener members. Um, And uh, uh, so uh, if you're interested at all, contact me or go to uh, New Day, uh, the New Day website, uh, New Day Pacifica website very worth doing, and we we need your support. Uh, Wendy Lederman. I think you're going to get the last word here. Wendy?
7: Thank you. Um, I'll just add um, a little nugget to Carl's great assessment of the military connection of um, the Department of Energy and the Department of Defense. And um, one, there's a Senate bill, SB 4066. I don't know the last action on it, but it was proposed um, earlier this year. And it basically, like, Takes away whatever um barriers there have been between the um the Department of Energy and the um DoD um and and calls for certain supplies for the DOE to supply the um the military with depleted uranium, and if you go through the defense budget from fiscal year twenty twenty three. There's all kinds of new nuclear programs that are like kind of like hush or just not really advertised. There's just a bunch of them and especially having to do with like space and all kinds of new nuclear programs. And within it, it, it also creates like basically quotas that the DOE needs to supply um, minimum amounts of depleted uranium to the military. So, I mean, there's definitely a market <clears throat> for the suppliers. So I just wanted to bring that up. Um, thank you so much. Thanks, everybody.
0: Well, thank you, everybody. Thank you, Steve and Mike and Wendy and, um, and Myla and everybody. Uh, this has been another incredible two and a half hours. Uh, thank you, Camilla, for bringing Dr. Robert Epstein with us. And uh, we, we do look um, Wednesday in the evening, uh, 5 p.m., Myla and I will be on the California Sootope show with the Kuro Forest kpfk.org and you, you can listen into that um um I'm gonna uh, we still have 47 people with us but it's time to go give Steve an extra 10 minutes to uh uh relax and toke up and uh we'll see you next week uh same time same place uh uh 5 p.m Eastern time uh, uh it will be our 160th uh uh Greek call and um I love you all Parting and such. We saw my hearing someone wanted to pipe in.
3: Yeah, real quickly, Sluggo. I just want to apologize to anybody who felt that I was a little bit rude or whatever. I honestly expected uh, Dr. Epstein to nod and agree that his approach to politics equating donations from millionaires and billionaires to Hillary Clinton was with the left was sloppy and inaccurate. I expected him to just nod and say, good point. And then I was going to go after Google for being a, a monopoly. But he, he tried to, to say that any effort to improve and refine his model was getting off the track. And I think that says a lot. I think no, he's I... very brilliant. I think he's very brilliant. But I think that his understanding of politics throughout history <laughs> is a little bit off and, and and Sluggo I hope he reads your book I think that would clear well, up I think a lot he of things made, I think him.
0: he I think he understood your point I think he just disagrees but he did uh, remarkably I thought uh, agree to take take um, uh, a a new look a fresh look at his use of the labels I, I thought he was very open and I, I'm really glad you raised the point and, and I, I think it's uh, uh, extremely important and I I hope he pursues some research on 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 this energy issue. And yes. And it's also very interesting, Justin's point, uh, and Justin's point that influencers that people think they know are more influential than than the abstract kind of manipulation from Google. That's a direct mirror of what we've been talking about in terms of grassroots organizing. Where Ray McClendon and yes. Miller have emphasized that the people who have the biggest influence in terms of political campaigns are people that voters know personally, yep. and so you have this world uh, illusion, especially younger, among younger people, that they actually, for some somehow, have a, a personal connection to these paid influences. <laughs> you know um, uh, uh, that that's really um, become a huge industry. But what we've been talking about in terms of political organizing on a local level. Um, uh, reemphasizes that the people that uh, that we want people organizing in communities uh, that actually know the people in the communities and that live in the communities and that's that's a major deal. So very productive talk. Uh, if none of you are as exhausted as I am, uh, congratulations, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna go uh, lie down uh, well, well, Barbie,
3: Slug, before you, before you Barbie- take a nap, I really do hope you email a copy of your book. Because I think will. you do an excellent job of showing corporatism and how corporatism came to control the United States and how we've been struggling for freedom against it from you know at least since uh, the late you know eighteen hundreds and, right, and uh, the, the rise of the railroads.
0: Well, any, and then by the way, anybody of you who are interested uh, in reading my history of the United States, I will send you a free PDF. My my email is soortopia. Uh, uh, at Gmail, <laughs> there you go. Gmail, Google Mail. Solotopia. Oh, there's Steve's got the, the the cover there. Thank you. uh, uh at Gmail. I will send you a free PDF. Oh, it's Paul, Paul Newman, my uh, great buddy in L.A. Uh, uh, Sowetopia at gmail.com uh, Write me, and I will email you a free uh, PDF of the book. And and uh, and Milo again. I want to thank you for mentioning our show. We'll be on. Anybody wants to join Pacifica, please do. And uh, thanks, everybody. And please support the calls, actually. Um, um, but there, there you go. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Paul, uh, Steve. And, uh, about uh, having
13: significant verbiage showing up in the news about more nuclear power plants is cogent. And whether it is a paid advertisement or not is
0: really a question that we should examine. Absolutely. And it's really causing us nightmares. So we got to deal with this now. Okay, you guys. uh, Thank you, Paul. Good to see you with uh, Franklin Rosa. I'm still waiting for you to put up Eleanor. um, But um, um, one of these days, it'll happen. All right, everybody. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much. No nukes. Um, Have a good one. (laughs) Thank you, Wendy. And um, um, uh, uh, no nukes, everybody. And Ruthie Sackheim, great to see you with us today. Glad you could join us. I hope you keep coming uh, and joining us. Ruthie's a great activist in the Bay Area. All right, you guys, no nukes. Take care. No nukes. See you next week.